You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Hi again. Will you say hi, Mike? That just cheers me up knowing this. It's lovely to hear your voice being called in a nice way. You know, unfortunately for you guys, this is the what, one, two. This is probably the third or fourth, third time on the trot you've had to listen to me. My apologies. Next week you're going to get a fresh speaker. Barry, Barry Condon's going to be speaking up here, and they'll be speaking down in Cafe Church next week. And Tom will be back. So you just stuck with me. So you just to pull up with me for another uh, couple of days, um, and then we'll be back to the normal service. We'll resume. In the last few weeks, the last few times I was speaking. I was speaking broadly about faith. I looked a few weeks ago at the story of the fall of the city of Jericho, and it was about the patience that comes with faith. That when faith is combined with patience, great things can happen. And in the story there, it was very clear that warriors who were trained and armed for war had to do something that was very unwarrior-like, and that was just march around and say nothing and do nothing until God changed the situation for them. After that, I was talking about how one of the people in that city, a woman called Rahab, took incredible risks of faith. And she took risks of faith to save her life, to save her family. And what she did actually ran right down through the generations. Last Sunday, I was talking about unstoppable faith, about men who came to Jesus and wouldn't let stupid things like walls and roofs and physical material get in the way between them and meeting with Jesus or bringing their needs to Jesus. This morning, I want to talk about what I'm calling shameless faith. This morning is shameless faith. Now, I know you might be jumping immediately to this idea of Paul talking about him not being ashamed of the gospel in the book of Romans. That's not where I'm going this morning with this. I want to look at a story that Jesus told that in a strange way may turn out to be the most difficult of all of these forms of faith. Even though it seems in concept the easiest But it may in the long term actually turn out to be the hardest. I'm going to look at Luke's Gospel chapter 11 verses 1 to 10. Which is a discussion between Jesus and his disciples. And you, you, for the context, remember a disciple was always a learner. That's what a disciple means. To be a disciple was to be an apprentice. And to be an apprentice means you had to learn from the master. And in this case, Jesus wants to teach his disciples something. And they're talking to the master and they're discussing with him an issue. And it's an issue that I think affects most people's lives. Most committed Christians actually either struggle or have a trial or labor in this area. But it's about this having this idea of having shameless faith. We're going to jump forward. We're going to Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10. I'm going to take it one chunk at a time. But do you mind if I pray first? And would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, your word is eternal and it is living. It is a double-edged sword separating bone from marrow, Lord. It discerns what's going on in our hearts and in our souls. And yet it speaks to us and brings life to us as well. Lord, I pray this morning as we look at your word, we would be filled with hope. We would be filled with uh, faith and we would be filled with expectation, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. The story starts like this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. 
As you can see, the disciple was to learn from the master. The master tells you how to pray, and then you pray the way the master prays, and then your prayers should be as effective as the master's prayers. Just like any apprentice who's shown how to turn a nut, fix a screw, plaster a wall, paint something, write a piece of code, whatever it is, the learner should then learn from the master and be as effective as the master eventually. And so Jesus says to them, I like what he says here. He says, so Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now, before I go one step further, I want to bring something to your attention. This is translation of the Bible is what's known as the New Living Translation. It's what they call a dynamic equivalent translation of the Bible. In other words, it takes the original meaning and gives the dynamic equivalent of what that would mean in our language. Some are more what they call formal equivalent translations, such as the ESV or maybe the RSV. And even the NIV is probably closer to a formal equivalent. What that means is that they take the original words and they translate as much as they possibly can word for word. But this phrase here is very interesting. And I'll tell you why I think it's interesting. And I, and I want to try, and, if I can at all, to help set some people free by making an observation about this phrase. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. In the original Greek, and it's translated in most formal equivalents and in most even mediating translations, it says this. This is what you should say. Or, when you pray, you should say. Now when Jesus says, when you pray, you should say, I think we need to pay attention to say what he said we should pray, so that we say what he prays. Yeah? yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so the, what you need to bear in mind is that, what he's saying here is he's giving them a template for prayer. And you, you know where we're going with this. But he also said to them, when you pray, you should say, not translated this way in the New Living Translation. That's an important point. And this is why it's an important point. He then goes on to say this. He says, when you pray, you should say, Father in heaven, our Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. This is a shortened, abridged version of the, of the prayer that most of us, certainly in Irish Catholic background, would have grown up as the Our Father. It's a shortened version in the Gospel of Luke. Luke was written to Greeks or Gentiles, non-Jews like us. And in this prayer, what I find interesting is that all of the aspects of prayer and all of the aspects of life are actually covered in this prayer. All the things that we should and need to pray for are covered in this prayer. If you are ever struggling to pray, can I say to you, and I think this is, might be something especially in the heads of people maybe who come from a Catholic background because we want to leave some of that stuff behind us. If you are ever struggling to pray, and I've given this counsel to dozens and dozens of people, and I take the advice myself, here's a good place to start. Quietly, slowly, and meditatively pray this prayer because it contains the truth about God, the truth about our standing before him and addresses our needs. I use this as a template all the time. Martin Luther, whom some of you will be familiar with, I'm quite sure from the Reformation, said that this prayer contains all of the scope of God's working in our lives. If you're stuck and you don't know what to pray, try praying this. It really, really works. Amen? Amen. And so he gives them this structure of prayer. 
And it's in there, Father, let your name be kept holy. First of all, it's eyes on the Father. Would anyone say amen? Take your eyes off yourself when you're coming into prayer. Take your eyes off your troubles. Take your eyes off the enemy. Take your eyes off your situations and lift them up to Jesus. Amen? And then he goes on to say, let your kingdom come soon. Let your will be done and so on and so forth. But we'll, we'll come back to this in a second. But Jesus stretches out the thought a little bit further. And this is where it gets interesting, in my opinion. And so Jesus went on to say this. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Has anybody here ever had somebody call to their house at midnight or call to your neighbor's house and ask for three loaves of bread at midnight? I didn't think so. Because we just don't do that now, do we? So it can be hard for us to get our heads around this. Now when he says at midnight, he's talking about midnight, which for the Jews was literally the middle of the night. Now for us who go to bed after binge watching Netflix or Sky or something like that for five hours, going to bed is about half past 11. So the middle of the night is about four or five o'clock in the morning. And so when we hear somebody knocking on our door at five or four or five o'clock in the morning, we're not exactly delighted and comforted, are we? We don't say, hack, who knocketh upon my door? We don't say, I shall dance down the stairs and see who has come that I may aid them in their suffering. We don't, do we? A few weeks ago, well, about, about three months ago, I was dead asleep inside in my bed. When suddenly in the middle of the night, there's a knock on the door. And uh, uh, I wake, you know the way, you know when something happens, you wake and you, you, you were basically, you were dead and then you do a Lazarus on it and you wake up and suddenly I'm awake, right? And of course I'm thinking, who can I help at this midnight hour? I'm thinking, who's dead? What's wrong? What's up? What's going on? So I, I, I wake up, I look at my phone because it's the middle of the night. It's quarter to four in the morning, 3.45 in the morning going, oh my goodness, what is happening at quarter to four in the morning? So uh, I have a quick look. I check my, my son's bedroom doors. All the bedroom doors are closed, which means they're all home because they only close the doors when they go to sleep. It's a long story. Anyway, I check the doors. They're all home. Everything's fine. I'm going, okay, what can possibly be wrong? Who's dead? Is it a Garda at the door? Got to tell you, as a parent, your biggest fear is a gunk, gunk, gunk. Hello, I'm Garda Sean O'Leary. I have news for you. That's not what you want to hear in the middle of the night so I go down the stairs with fear and trepidation I've managed to put on something I've <laughs> my robe like so I go down the stairs and with fear and trepidation I gently open the door and I've got this window next to my door and I look out through the window and I can't see anyone as I look out the window and I say, Lord, whatever is on the other side of this door, make my heart ready for it. And I unlock the door and I open the door and open up and standing right there in front of me, pizza delivery. <laughs> Quarter to three in the morning. And I'm going, I feel like taking the pizza, like, you know. <laughs> so I go, there was no pizza ordered here. 15 Amberley Drive, pizza delivery. So one, one second. So the guy who's after ordering the pizza is asleep in bed. <laughs> while I'm answering the door to him. We, because you know what? Our culture is so different. We don't do that in the middle of the night, do we? You don't call to your friend in the middle of the night and say, come here, give us three loaves of bread, do you? You don't knock and say, ah, do you know what? I have no tea bags. It's two o'clock in the morning. Sure, I'll go in and ask Mrs. O'Leary and see how she feels about it. She'd be delighted to help me, I'm sure. 
He goes on to say this. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. Now think about this. This is your friend. You're calling to your friend's house and you're caught in an embarrassing situation because somebody has arrived at your house in the middle of the night. What were they doing? Thought, Do you know, I thought I'd come home for a visit with the family in the middle of the night and you call to your friend's house. I love what it goes on to say. And suppose the man calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and me and my family are all in bed. I can't help you. This is your friend. Hello. This is your friend you've caught with friends like that. Who needs enemies? Like all you want is a couple of loaves of bread and he's your friend. Do you know those friends that you knew when you were 17 or 18 or 19? Let's, let's make it legal. And you're in the public. Oh, I love you. Bye. I swear. I'm going to be your friend forever. <laughs> Nothing will ever come between us. I swear. Shall I eat another two there when you're ready? That kind of friend, yeah? But the minute you need something, Jerry and the two points are gone. And he won't even give you a loaf of bread. Not much of a friend. Now, if you put yourself into the Middle Eastern context, it might be funny to us, but to them it was not only funny, it was scandalous. That somebody wouldn't help you. That's what, that's what neighbors do. That's what friends do. They help you. You're in need. Doesn't matter your need. They help you if you need a roll, a toilet roll, or you need a, a cup of sugar, or whatever it is you need in the middle. You go to your friend and your friend helps you. How many people here have a friend that they think if they were in need, they could call to in the middle of the night? Go on. Love us to us. For the rest of you, I pray that someday you'll have a friend who loves you just as much as Jerry does. I can't help you. So because of this guy, he's too selfish. Uh, come here. I need my beauty sleep. Like I, need, like, I need to rest. Like me and my family are in bed. Like we can't be helping you in the middle of the night. And Jesus says, what? Like, I can't help you. I love this. Jesus goes on to say this. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Because you keep on knocking. Jerry, I need a... I, I wonder if anybody actually hears all the knocking. I was knocking last week. <laughs> Jerry, I need a loaf. Come on, I just need... A, just, come on, I just need a couple of loaves of bread. I'm all staying in bed. I'm not coming answering the door. Jerry, please come... If there's any Jerry out there, I apologize. Come on, will you answer the door? Answer the door for me. Listen, I need to... He says, because of your shameless persistence... He says, you will get what you need. And Jesus is teaching about prayer, you see? And so what are we like when we're in prayer? Now, i got to say, I think this story really works for the Irish. Because the Irish wouldn't ask you twice if it cost them their life. I really don't want to ask. I'm really sorry. No, you know, sometimes I would get a, a, a text, maybe even from somebody in this room right now, say, I really hate to ask you for prayer. I know you're busy and I'm really, like, hello, I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian and I'm your friend. What? Oh, sorry, I'm going to have to give him the red. Hey, why, why on earth would you say I'm really sorry to hassle you? Because we don't like to ask, do we? Because asking says something more about us than it does about them. You see, we would never ask for something twice. If this story was being told about an Irish person, it would say that you went to your friend's house in the middle of the night and you knocked on the door and said, I need three loaves of bread. And he said, go where that, I'm in bed. And you say, oh, listen, I'm really sorry for disturbing you. I don't know what you're going to think of me. I'm going back to bed myself. And the Irish were difficult that way, aren't we? Can we, like, we don't like to ask. We don't like to be... Let's say the Japanese don't like to lose face. Oh, 
But the Irish, we hate to lose face just as much as the Japanese. What would you think of me? I didn't want to ask because I thought you'd think I was awful. It's okay, I think you're awful already. I love it. We would be ashamed to ask a second time. But you know what? There are some cultures that are just not ashamed to ask. I know there's a few people here from South Africa this morning. And I know that you will bear with me. But South Africans, they'll ask you once. And if you don't answer once, they'll ask you twice. And if you don't answer twice, they'll ask you three times. And they'll keep on asking. And then they'll eventually say, what is the matter with you that you are not saying yes? But you're oh, I'm so sorry to be asking. Or the German culture. What I need is a tool of some bread. And even the way they say it, and I'm not, I'm not offending my German friends, so I'm not. Yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. Yeah, they're, going, they're walking out in a second. And I love the way it translates from German into English. They say, Und I will be needing the three loaves of bread. The next part is the best part. Und you will be giving them to me. But the Irish, and sometimes the Christians... We're too nice. We're too nice. We stop asking. Oh, do you know I didn't? Really sorry. The problem is this. The problem is this. We give up too soon. We give up too easily. You see, do you know when we're praying for something, something that really matters, right? Something that really matters in your life. You see, all of prayer, if it is to be powerful, is driven by desire. It's what matters that we pray the most about. Have you ever noticed that? Like, has anybody here ever prayed for a parking space? Be honest. Have you ever prayed for a parking space? Look, a handful of drivers will tell the truth. The rest of you are darn liars. Your tongues are going black. You know, it's amazing. You, uh, and, and the, the, the later you are for the appointment or the closer you are to the deadline, the deeper the prayer gets. I'm driving along. I'm driving up St. Patrick's Key and I need a parking space. It's like, Lord, will you park the Red Sea that I may park? <laughs> and then some poor lady, she's in her 80s, is backing out. And you're up behind her and you're beeping. <laughs> I take this space by faith. We pray for parking spaces, brothers and sisters. We pray for them regularly for drivers like me. But do we pray for the souls of the people around us with such fervence, with such commitment, realizing the deadline that is going on in their lives? And the thing is, we give up so easily. Do you know why? Because we don't know how close the breakthrough is. We just don't know. And that is God's great mystery in all of this. And that is why I think this is actually harder than the previous, the patience of faith, the risk of faith, and the unstoppable faith, because we don't know how long it's going to go on. We don't know how long we'll have to pray to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done. We don't know how long we'll have to pray for that breakthrough in our career, that, that relationship situation to open up or to close up, whichever it is. I love what Mark Batterson, a guy who knows a thing or two about prayer, wrote in a couple of books about it. Very good pastor, says a lot of good stuff about prayer. said this. He said, we give up too easily. We give up too soon. We stop praying right before the miracles happen. Just before it happens, we stop praying. And we give up. And we go, nah, I don't think I'm going to get the breakthrough I want. Says who? Says who? 
Because Jesus said the exact opposite. Here's what Jesus said. And it's, we need to pay attention. He says, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. But something goes on inside us. And I'll tell you what it is when we're praying for stuff. When I was a young Christian, I know there's a good number of young Christians here. I used to pray for stupid stuff. Now you go, oh no, everything's important to Jesus. No, it isn't actually. The results of hurling matches are not important, okay? I just want to say that for the record. That's not important. And so I would pray for the Irish rugby team. Obviously, that didn't work out. And I would pray for a hurling match. I was a young Christian. I didn't know. I thought it was great to pray. I remember praying one time. Lads, I say this to my shame, okay? When I was young and foolish, I was young and foolish. I was 19 years of age and I was on my knee, pr- knees praying that Ireland would get a try in a rugby match. <laughs> I was a young Christian, what did I know? Lord, this would do the country so much good if they could just get a try. They got the try, actually, as it turns out. But that was, that was another thing. Anyway, I thought, oh, answer to prayer. Some things we pray for, they don't matter. They don't, lads. They really don't. They really don't. When Jesus says, pray, give us today our daily bread, it doesn't really matter if that's in IBM or if it's in bus Aaron. It doesn't really matter. It matters that we recognize where our daily bread comes from. Would anyone say amen? That's what matters. It doesn't matter who wins the All-Ireland hurling final. It may hurt us a little bit, but it doesn't matter. And you know, you see these Champions League finals, one of my favorites a couple of years ago, Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. And they're in the Bernabeu Stadium and there's 100,000 people and you can see them, they're praying, they're crying out to God. And he's going, would you ever cop on to yourselves? Because it doesn't matter. There's things that we pray for. We're driven by certain desires. But you know, we grow up and we mature up as we go on. And we'll we get to that in a second. I love what this guy said, Jonas Salk. He said, there's no such thing as failure. They're just giving up too soon. My prayers weren't heard, weren't they? Or have you just given up too soon? And Jonas Salk knew a thing or two about it because I actually owe Jonas Salk a bit of thanks. He was a virologist and a researcher an American virologist and researcher, and he was the developer of one of the first vaccines against polio, which has now effectively been eradicated from the globe. When I was eight years of age, I queued up in the Cork City Hall and took a spoon and a lump of sugar of the vaccine that Jonas Salk developed. He developed it by sticking at it and sticking at it and sticking at it and sticking at it until he broke it. He said, there's no such thing as failure. We just give up too soon. We just give up too soon. And we, but we say, why is it that God is withholding these things from us? Why is it that the Lord doesn't hear my prayer for a girlfriend? Why is it that the Lord doesn't hear my prayer for a husband? Or in my case, perhaps a wife. I've got one. It's complicated. Why is it that the Lord doesn't open the door of that career for me? Why is it that that course in college hasn't opened the door for me? And we say, Lord, if you can do all things, why don't you just do it now? And we can begin to question in our minds and the enemy will get in and go, see, God's not that interested in you because we live in an instant society that expects everything instantly. We expect instant feedback and instant responses to our complaints, emails and our likes on Facebook. We expect instant responses and we don't get an instant response. And the voice that can go on in our head is that, you know, God is holding out on you. God is not holding out on those who trust in him. 
Would anyone say amen? What does the psalmist say to us in Psalm 84? He says, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. No good thing. Have you got a prayer? Do you know, I think, I, I, was, I was having this conversation with Elma, my wife at home, and I was having a conversation with a few other people about the subject of prayer. And I was saying, you know, I think for every life, there is an overarching prayer. There can be a prayer that lasts a lifetime. There can be prayer that lasts a season. But invariably, there's some desire. There's some hope. There's some request in our hearts that we cry out to God for. If you are a living, breathing Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, then there should be something alive in your soul that you are praying for. I put it to you, respectively. The Lord will withhold no good thing. So why is it that God doesn't give me the parking space just when I need it? Why is it that I don't get the breakthrough just when I think I need it? Why is it that God doesn't send that partner for life just when I feel I'm ready for it? Well, there's something going on here, brothers and sisters, and this is really important to get into our heads and into our hearts. That when we pray and when we continually pray, something begins to change in us too. I like what Philip Yancey, the Christian uh, writer, said this. He said, he said that in the process, I discovered, he said, in the process of asking, seeking, and knocking, that God was asking, God was seeking, and God was knocking too. But it was coming the other way. You see, when we pray, it sifts our desires. It sifts our wants and determines our needs. It sifts our motives. And it reminds us of what really, really matters in life. And you know something? Those are the things that we need to be crying out to God for. You know, Jesus so many times said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor stow away into barns. Do your heavenly Father feeds them? Won't he look after you too, oh, you of little faith? It's like he, he's saying, like, ah, come on, lads. We get taken up with little small things, but the big things don't get prayed for and the important things in life are passing us by. We're being sifted. I, I, like, I like this. Again, it's a quote from Philip Yancey. Asking... Seeking and knocking does have an effect on God, but it also has a lasting effect on the asker, the seeker, and the knocker. It has a lasting effect on our souls. We are being changed as we change, pray for a change in our circumstances. We ourselves are being changed. I'm going to, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Whatever you think God's project is, Whatever part of your life you think should be God's project, let me tell you what God's project is. You. 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 You are God's workmanship. It's what he's doing in you that's going to last. It's the changes that he wrought in you that are going to go into eternity. You are the one that is really being changed in all of this. Does that mean that we should not pray? I'll tell you something. This morning, I want to be quite honest with you. I think that there are people here this morning and Jesus is actually knocking on your heart, even as I'm speaking. Right now, there's a realization that God is alive and he's knocking on your heart. Jesus is still in the business of knocking on the doors of hearts. And how do I know that? All I've got to do is look at the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And Jesus is writing. Or Jesus is speaking. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The story starts 
with a man looking to make a meal for his friend. And Jesus here says, if you let me in, we will eat as friends. Today, Jesus is knocking on a heart, our hearts in this room. I tell you moreover, not only do we have a main heart in our, a door in our life, forgive me. We have many doors in our lives, brothers and sisters. And when we open the first door in our lives, we discover that we actually enter a corridor. And then there are other doors in our lives, part of our lives that we stay closed or stay locked and say, you know, I can't let God into that area of my life because I'm either hurt or I'm hopeless or I'm disappointed or this has gone wrong or this hasn't worked out or this area has failed. This morning, I think the Lord is knocking on lots of hearts here, not just for the first time, but maybe for the 50th time. Is there an area of your life this morning that you want to say, Lord, will you come in and share a meal with me? Will you come in and transform that area behind this locked door of my life? We're going to pray for that in just a second. But I want to finish off because Jesus has shown, Jesus has shown the words of prayer, the attitude of prayer, the process of prayer, and he finishes off with the promise of prayer. And lads, Pay attention to these last words from this sermon this morning. Pay attention, because Jesus says, For everyone who asks, receives. The odd person every now and again who asks just might get what they want. No, everyone who asks, receives. What about the next one? Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now can I ask you a question? Is there anybody in this room who isn't included in the word everyone? If you don't feel that you're included in the word everyone, we can pray for you afterwards, no problem. But everyone is included in the word everyone. So that means that you, no matter where you are, if you ask, will receive. Maybe not in my time, maybe not in your plan, Everyone who seeks, you will find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And how do we sift that prayer? We go all the way back to the start of the story when Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. Let your kingdom come soon. Give us today daily bread. Forgive our sins. Does anybody need their sins forgiven? As we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us give way to temptation. All of those prayers, prayed sincerely, genuinely, and with intent, will be answered in Jesus' name. Have you got an overarching prayer? Have you got a prayer that says, this is the big prayer of my life? Are you shameless enough to ask again? Or are you too polite to say, Lord, no, I, I don't know what you'd think of me if I was to ask that again. Do you know, I've asked for forgiveness so many times in my life. So often I've prayed for forgiveness for the same thing. Ouch, I did it again. I overreacted. I said what I shouldn't have said. I didn't respond in the way I should have. I didn't do anything when I should have done something. And out of my mouth has come, Lord, I can't believe I'm asking you for forgiveness for this again. But I know this, without your forgiveness, I cannot follow you. I cannot have life in my soul. It's okay to pray the same prayer again. It's okay to ask for forgiveness again. But I don't want to go to that place this morning. Will you stand with me, brothers and sisters? We're going to sing 
the chorus of the song. All your promises are yes and amen. We sang at the start of this session just a second ago. But let's close our eyes just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you realize that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and that's a door, the main door of your heart that you have never opened before. You've never before in your life opened the door of your life to Jesus. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Are you willing to open the door when you hear the knock this morning? To come to him for his forgiveness, for his deliverance, and for his new life. With every eye closed, on the stage and off the stage, if that's you and you want to say, Lord, I want to open the door of my heart for the first time this morning, will you raise your hand? I see three hands raised in the room. Praise God. I'm going to pray very briefly. Lord Jesus Christ. see four. Sorry, I see four. Isn't that good? Praise God. Four people want to open their hearts for the first time to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me, guys? Could everyone pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ. I hear this morning that you are knocking on the door of my heart. I know you have been knocking for some time. This morning, Lord, as an act of my will, I open the door of my heart. Lord, will you come in and eat with me that we may be friends? Will you minister to me your forgiveness? Will you give me new life and give me hope for the future? Help me, Lord, to always remain in friendship with you today and for the rest of my life in Jesus name Amen Praise God Can we give a round of applause to those who prayed that prayer this morning for the first time If you're here this morning and you have an overarching prayer and you want to say Lord this is the overarching prayer and this morning I remember it before you amongst your people in your presence This morning, I want to bring this overarching prayer. It is the prayer that is always on my head. It's always on my heart in this season or in the whole season of my life. I want to bring that prayer before the Lord again this morning shamelessly. Would you raise your hand? We're going to pray this morning for shameless faith. Would anyone say amen? I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand and you want to bring an overarching prayer before the Lord this morning, we're going to pray as well for all of us to have shameless faith. I'm going to invite you to come up. We're going to pray here at the front in just a second. The guys are going to lead us in the chorus of the song. Yes and amen. Let's come and bring our prayer before God. Let's take the steps of faith in Jesus' name. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. going to ask you, would you just push up a little bit forward, just press a little bit forward if any of our prayer and care team are here, would you come forward to lay hands on these brothers and sisters 
If any of our interns are here, will you come forward and lay hands on these brothers and sisters? Just press in and put your hand on them. We're going to stand with them in this prayer this morning. Can, can I invite you? Would you lift that prayer before the Lord this morning? Let's lift it up in our hands before the Lord. We're doing so symbolically. It's not a literal lifting. We're lifting it symbolically before the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bring this overarching prayer, this longing of our hearts for your move in our lives before you again this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have the overarching prayer to see a breakthrough of provision in their lives. For those who have a longing to see a relationship break through in their lives, Lord. For those who are desperately seeking healing in their lives, Lord, we lift that prayer before you this morning and we shamelessly bring it before you, Lord. And we say, Lord, we bring it because you say, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. For to everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. The raising of our hands and our hearts and our prayers before you this morning, Lord, is an act of faith itself, Lord. Lord, would you give us that shameless faith, Lord, to keep on bringing it before you. And would you give us the breakthrough we long for, Lord. Lord, you are not capricious. You don't change our mind. You don't lead us on a merry dance. As we lift our prayers before you, Lord, we do so before the God who can and will move to change our situations. Would anyone say amen? We believe this morning that you can and will change our situations. And Lord, our prayer this morning, hear our prayer. Hear our cry in Jesus' name. We lift it up before you, Lord. Let us not be denied your word says no good thing do you withhold from those who put their trust in you, Lord. And so we bring it before you this morning and ask you move in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said, Amen. Let's remember. Can I ask you, if you want to pray for that shameless faith, that faith that keeps on going even when no clear end is in sight, if that's your prayer this morning, Lord, would you give me shameless faith? Will you raise your hands? Can I ask you to raise both your hands this morning? We're both going to pray and close in prayer all in one go. Lord Jesus, as we go from here this morning, I pray, Lord, we would remember that God is in heaven and we are here on earth. And Lord, I pray that as we go, we would remember that no detail of our lives goes unnoticed to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would have shameless faith for a breakthrough with immigration, I pray we'd have shameless faith. For a breakthrough with anxiety issues, we pray for shameless faith. For a breakthrough to see our children become Christians, I pray for shameless faith. For a breakthrough for the health of our bodies, we pray for shameless faith. Lord, we pray for a breakthrough in our neighborhood or in our workplace, we pray for shameless faith, Lord Jesus. We trust in you, O oh God. We trust in you, O oh God. Lord, and I pray that as we go from here this morning and into this week, we would go shamelessly and expectantly into our week, Lord. Give us hearts that expect good things, Lord. And this week, Lord, whether we pray for salvation of souls or for a parking place on the street, I pray, Lord, you would hear our cry and answer from heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And God's people said... 
Amen. May God bless you and keep you. May God cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of His countenance and give you His peace. In Jesus' name and God's people said a final. God bless you guys. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs for those of you who want to stay. Don't forget we're here again on Tuesday night looking at breaking the cycle. God go with you. Amen. The guys are going to play us out.